This show is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, the Justice League of board game podcasts. Find out more at Dicetower.com. Welcome to another episode of the Family Gamers Podcast. This is episode 319. Hello, hello. Hey, Anitra, I have been excited about this episode for a very long time. We should open the show correctly first. We are the Family Gamers. Hello, everybody. I am your host, Andrew. And as always, I am joined by that lovely lady you've already heard, my wonderful wife, Anitra. That's me. This week on the show, we are going to do a special episode of Beyond Board Games. Beyond Board Games. (laughs) So for this week, we have a professional bowler on the show. She'll join us second half of the show. Deandra Asbady is an impressive bowler in her own right. She has won like national, international bowler of the year awards and stuff like that. We'll talk all about that second half of the show. But first, I've got a fact for you. Lay it on me. This one, you know, I have to be entirely honest with you. I was genuinely shocked that this didn't come from the great country of the United States of America. (laughs) (laughs) And my fact this week is that in 2018, on April 7th, a company built, baked, I don't know, put together the largest sweet potato pie. It was 319 kilograms. That's, uh, that's heavy. That's a lot of sweet potatoes. It was 200 centimeters in diameter, which means it was six and a half feet across. That sounds so delicious. Actually, (laughs) usually with stuff like that, like they're not that good, right? They don't taste that good. I mean, they said like as soon as it was baked and they confirmed the record on it, they cut it all up and like donated it. I mean, I guess that's good. But like, I just mean like, you know, with a lot of that stuff where you're like, oh, this is the biggest crazy whatever. Like, and then you're like, I'm going to eat it. And then you're like, it's fine. It's just not amazing. Anyway, so this was done by the Honshu Shikoku Bridge Expressway Company Limited. 319 kilograms in Awaji, Yogo, Japan on April 7, 2018. Sweet potato pie which was measured over 200 centimeters in diameter, was made using local produce such as Naruto Kentucky sweet potatoes. All of the pie, as Anitra said, was distributed to visitors of the Awaji service area right after the event. All right. So. I mean, at least it didn't go to waste. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you could feed like a thousand people with this thing. But anyway, I mean, a, a kilogram is like a lot of pie. I so. mean, we, we just came out of uh, American Thanksgiving. Whether you like sweet potato pie or not... You should be thankful that this sweet potato pie was not at your Thanksgiving. That is true. <laughs> it, it's the size of the table you sat at. Yes. Like, <laughs> but anyway, so that's my fact for the episode 319. We also have a message from our sponsor. Let's face it, life is a resource management game. We have so much fun sitting around the table and plotting the use of resources in Power Grid or Terraforming Mars. So why is it so stressful in real life to manage our resources? It doesn't have to be. Resource management in real life follows many of the same principles, but because we're in it, it's harder to see. It helps to have an outside advisor in those cases, and that's what First Move Financial can do for you. For expert help applying some of the same principles that help you take down your friends in Agricola, head over to firstmovefinancial.com familygamers and schedule a call today. All right, thanks so much to the team at First Move Financial for sponsoring the Family Gamers podcast. Okay, Anitra, so our interview 
was a, a longer interview, which was awesome. So we're going to keep this half of the show relatively short. So let's keep the games that we've played limited to like, I don't know, maybe just what we played on Thanksgiving. How does that sound? Uh, sure. Let's do that. Okay. All right, I'll start off with the one that um, everybody knew we were going to do, which was Green Team Wins. So we were not successful in getting everyone that was at Thanksgiving to play Green Team Wins. No, but we did play with 10 people. We played with 10 people, and I think that everybody liked it. I don't think it went over quite as well as it has gone over with some other groups, but I do think everybody that played the game enjoyed playing it. I think mostly it just took people a little while to kind of get into the swing of things. And we definitely had those discussions of like, how could you possibly say that candy is the best movie theater treat? It's obviously popcorn. Yeah, Everyone else knows it's popcorn. I don't even understand how you could possibly make that argument, but whatever. I know, right? But it was a good time. My mother joined in on this one, and I think she enjoyed herself quite a bit, although she did not uh, match answers with other people very often. Yeah, I did feel a little bit bad about that. A little bit. But, you know, whatever. I think I probably cared more than she did. So <laughs> From a different generation. Yeah, but I mean, she played the game. She understood the game in as much as she could hear what we were saying. <laughs> yeah, we did. I sometimes showed her the cards because that was easier and clearer than simply trying to read it out to her. So. Yeah. So, green team wins. I would say it was a success. I would say it was not quite a yes. smashing success. Uh, yeah, agreed. So, there you go. We also played some Draftosaurus, which, since you and I were both playing, we counted it towards our family 10 by 10. Yep. <laughs> yep. I really, I mean, that game is so good. Like, I don't understand how it is so hard to get that game to the table in my house right now. I just don't get it. It's a great game. I'm thinking that maybe it's just if we have more than two players, people are looking to play something else. That's what I'm starting to think. It's it's less that the kids are like, oh, do we have to? And more like, there are lots of things we do at two players. Draftosaurus is not great at two players. It's okay. And so once we've got three or four players in the mix, it's like, oh, well, we should do this or we should do that. All right. I mean, that's definitely possible. So I will take it. We also introduced a whole group of folks at Thanksgiving to Super Mega Lucky Box. Oh, this got pulled out in part because my mother has been talking about how much she enjoys bingo at the place she's living now. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I was a little surprised. I, I I probably shouldn't have been, but like, I don't know. I look at Super Mega Lucky Box as a super easy, straightforward game, and she kind of struggled with it mechanically. But that's like a good kind of mental correction for me that not everybody plays board games. <laughs> well, most of the mechanics she got right away. There were one or two that she struggled with, and because she was still struggling with a few minor bits of the mechanics, that kept her from being able to really think strategically about what sure. was the right thing to do next. Yeah, I mean, I think you, like, pasted everybody or something in that game. I don't even remember. I mean, Thanksgiving was a blur, so. No, no, my mom won. Your Super mom was the shark and, yeah. and won. <laughs> yes. That's so funny. The last game we played was a game that was actually technically new to us and also the people we're playing with. <laughs> yeah. So did we play it at four player? I think we played it at four players. We played four players yeah. um, on tour Paris. Yes. So the on tour series from Board Game Tables is something that's fairly well known. It's been out for a while. Uh, they did a Kickstarter for the standalone expansion. I don't know what you would call it. It's it's sequel? another game in the sequel series. Slash, Se- yeah. slash expansion. And yeah. this one is Paris and New York. And Paris is really interesting because, I mean, it does a lot of the same things that On Tour does, right? So you've got East and Central and West, and you've got North and South, right? The same way that they mm-hmm. break apart all the other ones. But the interesting thing with Paris is that they've broken apart the regions 
with this river, right? So the north and the south are separated by a river. By that goes the river Seine. Paris, right. In order to cross the river, you actually have to take this ferry. And the cool thing about it is that you are rewarded for taking longer ferry rides. So it actually kind of looks like a little bit of like a like a spiral loop thing if you're really trying to maximize your if points If you're really with the ferries. maximizing it well, yeah. Because you can only hit each ferry once. So you might go from like A to I, go through a couple of locations, and then go to B, and then go to G, right? So it's got this like spiral kind of look to your route with regards to the ferries. But the ferries are kind of an interesting way to really help you you know, because in old school on tour, whether you played Europe or USA, if you had a kind of a cluster, but you couldn't connect that cluster to another cluster, like organically with spots, you were kind of up a creek. And this is a way that you can actually do that in a really interesting way. So I had a lot of fun with that. I know that the other side, the New York side, has a bunch of other interesting mechanics. So There's I'm a lot more excited. going on with that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty excited to try that as well. I think both Paris and New York are definitely more complex than the OG on tour, but I really like it. I love the kind of, I don't even know. Is it, uh, what's the art style in that? It's a uh, art nouveau style. Ah, okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's just cool looking. Uh, I had a lot of fun playing it. I'm pretty good at that kind of game. Apparently like my, my brain just does the math for it correctly. So I like that part of it too. All right. I'm going to add one more. Technically didn't get played on Thanksgiving. Cheater. I, I know always but i want to mention that claire asked me to play king domino so that we could work on that off of our family 10 by 10 which you know i'm glad that the kids are motivated now now that it's probably too late but we played a two-player game of king domino we just went for the five by five grid because we were trying to keep it short i still really enjoy the simplicity of that game and i had forgotten that it is a game that does offer you opportunities every once in a while to be mean and force someone to take a piece that they do not want. I do very much enjoy King Domino, another one of those games that is just simple and easy and fun, and I don't know why it doesn't get to the table more. I mean, in this case, it's kind of because there are so many King Domino options, I think, <laughs> is part of it. Yeah, I mean, I you know, we, we've talked about that whole Origins thing a whole bunch of times, so I suppose that's true as well. But uh, I, I, that's a game that we could just get to the table and just play. Yeah. All right, why don't we wrap this segment of the show up a little bit on the short side of this week, again, because of that interview. But I do want to add one more thing. So a few weeks ago, we had a wonderful review of 12 Rivers from Deb. And we solicited from the Family Gamers community, anybody who wanted to write a short little review of a game, to feel free to do so. And we received one this week. We did. Would you like to read it out for us? Sure. So this is from Joseph R., and he, he writes, I had to laugh at the first paragraph. He said, I am sending you a quick review for the podcast since you asked for one. I was looking through games trying to find something that you hadn't already reviewed, which is a bit <laughs> tough. Sorry. Sorry, Joe. <laughs> so the game is Tantrix, and I don't know a lot about this game, so I'm actually really excited to read this. Tantrix is an abstract tile laying game for one to four players. The game is played with hexagonal tiles that have three lines drawn on them. Each line connects two sides of the hexagon in three of four possible colors, red, yellow, blue, and green. In the multiplayer game, each turn players draw one tile from a bag and try to make the longest line of their color. There are a few placement restrictions like the line colors have to match. Loops do not count as infinite points. Once the tiles run out, the game is over and the longest line wins. 
In the solitaire version of the game, the player takes a set of tiles and makes a loop of a specific color. The tiles are numbered on the back, and the number is the color for that solution. For example, on tile 3, the 3 is yellow, so the player has to make a yellow loop. The first few puzzles are easy, but with more tiles comes more difficulty. The game comes with about 50 tiles. I've only made it to the mid-20s in the solitaire puzzles. The game is fun as multiplayer or single player. I prefer single player. Young kids will have a challenge with planning ahead to make longer lines. Also, if one player is prone to analysis paralysis, the game can drag. The tiles are sturdy bakelite and hold up well to many uses. They also look very good. My favorite way to play is a solitaire mode, and I still have plenty of play left in my set. As soon as I looked up a picture of this, I was like, oh yeah, I've seen this game, and I think I've even played it once or twice. The hexagonal tiles have these sort of loopy designs on them, and you're connecting up the loops. It's almost like if you took one of those 3D fidget loopy kind of toys and managed to flatten it out onto a board. Okay, yeah, I am looking at this. It's got a very... It doesn't look like Quirkle, but it like feels like it's got that same kind of like bright color, dark background tile kind of thing as a game like Quirkle does. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. So I don't think that I have ever played this game before. I think I have, but I think it's been quite a while. The game itself has been around for more than 25 years. Yeah. And apparently they've been having online tournaments almost <laughs> that long. <laughs> well, that's pretty awesome. So that is Tantrix. It's gone through a couple of different publishers. Uh, Gigami published it at one point. I don't know who's currently publishing it. but So if you have a review of a game that you would like to share with us, you can always email us, Andrew at thefamilygamers.com. And Andrew at thefamilygamers.com. We would love to share those on the show. And I think that's going to be it for this half. We're going to go into a snap review for the cutest dexterity game ever. <laughs> and then we'll interview Deandra. All right. We'll be right back. Splash, I was taking a bath. Or maybe I was playing hide and seek. Um, maybe a little of both in Turtle Splash. This is a snack review for Turtle Splash. Turtle Splash is a dexterity and memory game by Joel and Rafael Escalante and published by Lucky Duck Kids. Two to four players ages five and up, maybe four and up, can play in about 15 minutes. Anitra, it's adorable. Let's talk about the art in Turtle Splash. First... Take a look at these baby animals. They are the cutest thing. So cute. I absolutely love them. There's a very chubby tiger and a cute little orangutan. <laughs> but we can't overlook the design of this cardboard lake and ramp either. They are sturdy and they fit together nice and snugly. They'll definitely stand up to some rough handling from little kids. And they actually come pre-built with yes. rules. Anisha, let's talk about how to play Turtle Splash, the mechanics. Set up the river ramp and the lake and give every player a personal board and three ball tokens. Mix up the 12 animal tiles face down and arrange them in a grid where everyone can see them. On your turn, flick the wooden turtle token down the river ramp. If you can get him to touch the center of the lake, you can flip three animal tiles. If you reach the lake but not the center, you can flip two. And if you didn't even reach the lake or you overshot Oops. the thing flew <laughs> off the table or whatever, you can flip a single tile. Once you have flip tiles, compare them with your personal board, which shows the baby animals in three tracks. Is the next animal in order in any of your tracks visible in the face-up tiles? Then you can advance your beach ball token to that animal on your board. 
It's possible to advance more than one space if the matching animals have all been flipped face up this turn. If you didn't find any of the animals you need, pick a swim ring to use for an additional tile flip on your next turn. At the end of your turn, flip all the animal tiles face down again, then let the next player flick the turtle and guess where the animals are. The game ends when a player gets all three of their beach ball tokens to the end of the rows on their board. You found all your animal friends! Yay! <laughs> Anitra, let's talk about what we expected from this game. We love working with Lucky Duck. We know they've put a lot of thought into their kids' line to make games that are really well-suited for kids to play. This is the first Lucky Duck kids' game that doesn't need a mobile app, so I wondered what would set it apart. We knew the box art was really cute. Flicking games usually have us looking more at the field than at the pieces, though, so we weren't really sure how much of these cute animals we'd actually be able to look at and pay attention to when we were playing. So what surprised us about Turtle Splash? Well, the design of the ramp and the lake is even better than we hoped. They are so easy to put together. And they stay together. I mentioned before, they're pre-assembled, so when you open the box for the first time, all you have to do is punch out a couple of tokens and you can get started. Because it's a memory game, we spend a lot of time looking at this animal art. I'm really glad it's so cute. <laughs> Although there are multiple steps to a turn, which might make it hard for younger kids, it all flows really well. You flick, then you flip tiles, then you compare and try to move your beach balls. But needing to find all 12 animals in some sort of order makes this game take a little bit longer than we expected. It can get a little bit frustrating when you just can't find that one animal that you need. On the other hand, I like that players always get at least one tile flip, no matter how bad their aim <laughs> is with the turtle. Earning a swim ring when you don't find any of the animals you need takes the edge off of the frustration of failure, too. And one more thing I really like about this, these rails are really easy to take off, so if you need to change difficulty level for different levels of play, you can do it between turns. It's not a big deal. So, Anitra, do we recommend Turtle Splash? We would definitely recommend Turtle Splash for families with young kids, like between the ages of four and nine. Older kids and adults might enjoy it once in a while as a quick game that's very simple, but not too, too easy. So, Anitra, what are we going to rate Turtle Splash from Lucky Duck Kids? I think we're going to rate it four and a half splashes out of five. Sounds good to me. And that's Turtle Splash in, in a, a snap. snap. So we are here with Deandra S. Beatty, who is a bowler, and I don't know a whole lot else about her, but Andrew does. Okay, so when we started this thing, this Beyond Board Games thing, this was one of my not-at-all top-secret goals. Uh, you don't say. It really shouldn't surprise anybody on the show. Um, as, as many people know, I am a bowler. I've been a bowler since I was like six, so that's longer than I want to admit. Uh, my parents bowled. I got the bug from them. And so once we decided to do Beyond Board Games, I knew that as a goal, I had to get a professional bowler on the show. And once I started thinking of that, I knew it had to be DeAndra. I mean, that yeah. was literally, that was my my choice, my number one choice. So hi, DeAndra. How are you? <laughs> hey, um, was I really your number one choice? Or you really were. I, I'm on the show and now you can no, say you, you were, no, you really no, were. No, you really like, were. I, we should go talk to this person. I was like, okay. You I know. don't know who this person is. Sure, whatever. <laughs> sure, oh, whatever. Uh, well, I'm flattered. Thank you for thinking <laughs> of me. Um, I love what you guys are doing. I'm a big board game fan. Yeah, I, I can't right. wait to talk about that later. We'll talk uh, about board games Thanks for having later. me. All right. 
Yeah, I originally saw um, some of the international art of bowling stuff, and that was uh-huh. that was what first was like. Oh, she's got great energy, and I want her on my show. <laughs> so that's that's where it all came from. Anyway, thank you. <laughs> so we talked on the show. We talked about how we went to Michigan. Yes, and we went to Michigan gold. for Junior Gold, which is this junior national competition put on by USBC, the United States Bowling Congress, uh, for our oldest daughter who is fourteen, and she is already qualified for next year. Yes, yes. So we're yeah. good to go. We'll be in uh, Indianapolis, I think it is. Anyway, I was lucky enough. We were walking around. And I was like, oh, Claire, you have to come over here. I need to talk to that person. So, <laughs> so we got to go over, and I got to ask you, DeAndre, in person if you would like to be on the show. And of course, you graciously said yes. So of now, now you're here. Hello. Now, um, I, I admit that professional bowling isn't. It's not the. It's not the sport that gets the most screen time in the United States. So yes, that's true. I will admit, probably not a lot of people know DeAndre. I'm going to talk a little bit about how amazing DeAndre is, just to give <laughs> you some perspective from the world stage. She's blushing; nobody can see. But she, <laughs> uh, <laughs> 64 international medals, 15-time Team USA, three-time World Bowler of the Year, World Cup champion, Malaysian Open champion, uh, national amateur champion twice. Inducted into the World Bowling Hall of Fame. Wow. World Ranking Masters Champion, Bowler's Journal International Amateur Bowler of the Year, uh, USOC Athlete of the Year twice, World Champion, Official Youth Bowling Spokesperson for the USBC, and, of course, on staff for the best bowling company in the world, Storm. Storm. (laughs) Yes. Well, you are also a mom and a wife, and you have your own brand, Beyond the Lanes. I do. Yeah, no. I, you're right. Yeah. All of that is is correct. Sometimes when I look at my resume and the things that I did, because when you're in it, you know, because I'm right now, I'm more part time. But there was a time, a big chunk of my life, I was completely full time bowling. And when you're in it, you don't really realize what you're doing. You're just doing your job. You're doing the best that you can. You're trying to set yourself up to succeed. You're, you have coaches and you're working hard. But it's not until after you can reflect back on the things that you did. And I'm like, wow, I did so many cool things (laughs) all around the world. And I am so grateful to bowling. Bowling brought me all those uh, amazing things and and many amazing people. So I am so grateful for my grandma Betty for putting the bowling ball in my hand when I was five years old. Because she thought it was just for fun. But who knew that it would become my entire life. That's awesome and amazing. And unless anybody be confused, you you won a PBA regional this year with EJ Tackett, who I don't know how he gets the revs and the ball that he gets with his body. It's amazing. It's incredible. He's, he's pretty small. Um, it was not a regional. <laughs> it was actually a, it was a professional national title. Oh, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. You, you won a professional national title this year. I know. Right before I had a new knee, a, a knee replacement. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of stuff happened this year. It was an honor to bowl with EJ. A quick, funny story about EJ is that it was, oh man, I feel like maybe 2000. Nine, I don't know. I feel like I didn't have kids yet, but I was bowling the team trials to qualify for Team USA, and I was out in uh, Las Vegas and and at the bowling center we were at. They separate the men and the women, and I was just talking to some of my friends on the guy side, and and then this little kid came up to me and he's like, "Hey, uh, can I can I get a picture with you?" And I was like, "Oh, sure." 
cute little kid, of course. And I noticed that this kid's dad had on an Indiana Junior um, Youth Tour jacket that I used to bowl when I was a kid because I grew up in Indiana. And I remember saying, oh, I used to bowl that tour. That's really cool. Didn't even get his name. Went and bowled the squad. They had scrolling scores. And I looked up at the scrolling scores after we were done. And I, I knew so many people bowling this event. Like I knew everybody except the name that was in first at the time. And I was like, <laughs> I asked my some people that were there on the guy side. I'm like, who's this EJ Tackett? Can you point him out to me? And he was a senior in high school. And so they're like, oh, it's that kid. And it was the little kid that wanted my photo with me. And I I went up to him and I was like, "Uh, should I be getting your photo and your autograph? Because he was just a kid then. But then fast forward all these years, then we get to bowl together at the Lucy Bonneau Mixed Doubles, which is an incredible event with really good teams. It it so happens that I usually bowl with Marshall Kent. He usually bowls with Danielle McEwen. Both of those partners weren't able to bowl. And I was just like, well, I'll just sit this year out. It's fine. It's no big deal. And then I get a call from EJ Tackett and he's like, um, we want to bowl. And I'm like, well, I can't say no to you. So, okay, <laughs> let's bowl. And then we win. And yes. uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a really special summer. My Both my kids were there to watch it. Oh, it, that's awesome. Yeah, it was nice. really neat. That's cool. Okay, so you kind of mentioned your grandma Betty, I think you said. Mm-hmm. Um, so she got you into bowling. Did your parents bowl, or no, like, my, was my it a parents whole family did, thing? No, or? it no, it wasn't. It was my grandma bowled on Wednesday night league with her little friends, and uh, <laughs> I would go. I remember watching her in league, and she um, she just had so much fun. She did it recreationally, and she bought my sister and I our first bowling ball. And it was just for fun until my sister, who's three years older than me, at the bowling center, I was five or six and my sister was eight or nine or 10. And there was a coach that um, saw her at the at the bowling center and asked my dad if he could coach her because he was a coach and he saw a lot of talent in her. And I was just like the little sister that was running around. Um, <laughs> and so... That's sort of like how we realize, oh, there's something to this bowling thing. And so she was getting coaching and I would bowl here and there. You know, I was young. And at that time, they didn't even have bumpers. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> there was no bumper. So I threw a lot of gutters. And then it wasn't until my sister um, started winning that I really started taking it seriously because I was like, well, I want to win. And I see what's <laughs> happening here. She's putting in more time and then she's winning more. And so if I want to win, then I'm going to have to take this more seriously and put in more time. So then Mm -hmm. I started practicing more seriously. Uh, And I really do remember I was 12 when I remember having thoughts in my head that I want to be one of the best bowlers in the world. And I remember being in my small town of Dyer, Indiana, people would be like, they would look at me like, who do you think you are that you think you can be <laughs> the best in the world at anything? But I was crazy enough to actually believe that I could. And I understood then that, you know, that's not something that's just going to happen and it won't just manifest. Like you have to surround yourself with the, with the right people, with the right coaches, get the right resources and really take it seriously and fail a lot. And mm-hmm. um, and then lo and behold, in my 20s, I was a three-time World Bowler of the Year. So it's kind of a cool story for me to tell 
uh, to kids that, you know, you get to choose how good you want to be in anything. And I don't know, I think that's uh, it's a really powerful story. But to your Love question it. and the answer, my <laughs> parents did not bowl. My dad maybe bowled for fun, but then he kind of hung up his shoes when we got more serious about it and uh, <laughs> was really busy taking us to practice. We bowled every night in, in high school, in middle school, every night on a school night. Like 9.30, you couldn't get a lane until 9.30 at night. And we would bowl until midnight, and that was normal, which as a mom now, I think that's crazy that my parents <laughs> – that, that feels kind of insane. That feels crazy. And we live a half with a, a middle schooler and a high schooler. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy, but it was so yeah. normal. And sometimes after practice, we would go to breakfast. But in my parents' defense, I was a really good student, and my sister was too, and we wouldn't have been able to do that if we weren't doing very sure. well in school. Sure. So – you know, you get out what you put in. I learned that at a young age. And um, that was the only time that we could practice because my dad, you know, worked. I would have mm-hmm. to take a nap when I got home from school, do my homework. And I mean, every day it was sort of the same thing. That's Carmen. Say hello Carmen. to Carmen. <laughs> <laughs> She's a really scary doodle dog. <laughs> that's awesome. What about your kids? Do they bowl too? I have a boy who's 12 and a girl that's eight. And they, um, of course they bowl. I'm just, I mean, I listen. mean, listen, <laughs> Madden, my son, uh, his number one sports baseball, it always has been, is really good. But he loves bowling. You know, when you're born into it, I've never pushed them to do it, but they're just always around it. They, you know, when Madden was a baby, Jason Belmonte was sort of like, oh, you know, we had the International Art of Bowling, so he was in Chicago a lot. In between, this was uh, early on, and he had a little one, and when he was away from home, he would come and stay with us, and you know, he just, he grew up around really great bowlers and mm-hmm. I think that's pretty inspiring. So, uh, they're good bowlers. I have a youth tour, a nonprofit called the elite youth tour. So they bowl that. And my daughter Jersey is really naturally gifted. I feel like on the lanes, like I, I haven't really taught her that much, but she's really picked up a lot from watching and mm-hmm. she's really, really good form for an eight year old. So I, um, <laughs> I don't know. You know, they can take it wherever they want to, but I always said they will be good enough to get some sort of scholarship to college because I have some pretty good connections. You don't have to pursue it like I did, but it is a really good way to get some some scholarship into college, into some mm-hmm. really great colleges because so many colleges have college uh, bowling programs. So, yes. I very much appreciate you saying that because every <laughs> single person that I've told that to, I'm going to play this back and say, see, a professional bowler agrees with me. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> yeah. About, you know, kids with natural talent. I don't know if my, if my eight-year-old, if our eight-year-old is ever going to even do what his big sister does, but I coach the preps like nine to 11, nine to 12, and he's down in Bantam still. And I look down when he's up on the approach. Man, I tell you, his timing is on point. And I'm like, I don't know. I, I mean, he his accuracy is terrible, but his timing is like perfect. <laughs> you can't have all at the beginning. You know, right. little things. You got to yeah, work absolutely. up to them. Well, I, I've always, you know, one of the things I really like about bowling and have always loved about bowling is even in competition, uh, there's ways to accommodate. You can have kids and adults, skilled players and, you know, beer leaguers all bowling together. And everybody can have a great time. It can be a really, you know, great 
family experience. Yes, it is why I can play with my husband <laughs> and my 14-year-old, and uh, they give me a big old handicap, and so I only lose by a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I, always, I, I really always thought that was like one of the beauties of bowling is that uh, everyone can do it. It brings people together. And mm-hmm. whether you're bowling recreationally on a date, maybe you ask somebody on a date, or you're bowling as a family, or you're bowling competitively, like there's just so many ways that you can enjoy bowling. And I don't mm. know if there's a lot of other sports where you can say that about. Yep. Yeah. And and especially being on the field at the same time, like bowling is unique in that it's a team sport with an individual component to it. So like mm-hmm. you can't put an eight-year-old and a 16-year-old on the same baseball team. It just doesn't work. Or on the yeah. same football team. It doesn't work. But you can put them on the same bowling team. Mm-hmm. And that totally works. And it's totally awesome. Yeah. It's totally yeah. awesome. Love it. Okay, I think you answered some of these questions already, but I just want to work them. So you said like you were 12 when you said like, I want to do this for real. I want to be the best, right? Yes. Yep. Wow. That's, whew, that is young. I am very mm-hmm. impressed by that. That's amazing. Um, you mentioned your your EJ Tackett moment. Um, what are some of your other like favorite moments bowling or competing professionally? Uh, that's a good question. I would say right there at the top is my USBC Queens major win uh, in 2012. It was at a time where my son was just over, just under two years old. And um, it was a little bit of a struggle for me at that time in my life because I was trying to manage being a mom and figuring that out, but Mm -hmm. also wanting to still be full-time competitive on the lanes And no one in bowling, no professional bowler that I ever looked up to, no one ever said to me, you know, when you decide to have kids, which was my biggest goal in life, in life was to have, was to be a mom. But when you do decide that, then um, things in your life will look different and things will change and you should let them. And it's okay that Mm. it, you know, bowling doesn't define you. And it was a really difficult time to, figure out how to manage all of that and still want to be one of the best in the world as I wasn't ready yet to sort of um, move myself away from it. And so I went to that Queens tournament with an unfamiliar feeling because I always felt like I put everything into it and I didn't have anything for so long that was interrupting my, uh, like that was distracting me from competing and practicing but now I have a baby and I um, need to keep the baby alive. And so <laughs> yeah. that's important. And so yeah. some, some of my attention had to be there, but also some of my attention. So I was feeling very mediocre at all of the things like on lanes, bowling as a coach, as a mom. And I was just going through a lot and no one ever really talked to me about this in my career. And so then I go to the Queens and, win. And, um, I feel like that was a really defining moment in my career in that, um, it was validation that I was going to be okay. And whatever, Mm -hmm. however I wanted to go forward in the sport that there was no right way. There was no wrong way. I got a lot out of it. I don't have to let it go completely, but I also want to be present for my children and I don't want to miss weeks at a time, you know, cause team USA, I was on for 15 years and a lot of the trips, you know, they're not weekend trips, they're weeks at a time. And so 
you know, it was really hard to move away from that and and decide that I wasn't going to be on Team USA anymore because when you do something for so long, you feel like it defines you. And Mm -hmm. um, that's how I was feeling. And, uh, you know, I had to work through that and realize that bowling isn't – it doesn't define me. It's a part of me. It'll always be a part of me. But there's a lot of other parts of me that are significant and worthy. And so now I can sort of be that – voice for other women that hit that transition in their life where they go from maybe being the best at what they do and to pivot into something else and realize that sacrifice has to happen. Uh, It doesn't make you any less of a person. It is just your next chapter. Yeah. It's just different. (laughs) Just different. Yeah. Yeah. That that can be a very um, painful process to work through. So (laughs) it was confusing. Thank you for it. Yeah. Thanks. It, it was it was hard for us to I, to work through it together. I, I'm laughing because I'm thinking of all the times that you witnessed me having a total breakdown uh, about it. So yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So how about this question? What would you tell people that go bowling now? Like, there's lots of kids and teenagers who might listen to this, and I'm sure at least some of them bowl maybe for fun. How like what was the process for you? Like, how would they look at bowling? And consider whether they want to do more with it. Oh, I don't know if I've ever been asked that before. I, th- I think that what I would say is number one is to make sure it's fun and enjoy it and realize that. Oh, man, there's there is I was coaching the other day and there's a little girl that was I was like a day that my kids had off school during the week. And so Uh, the bowling center during the day was busier than normal. And I noticed this little girl that was bowling with her parents and uh, she had to been around six and you can tell that she hadn't been bowling very much, but um, she caught my attention because she was so mad when she didn't get pins. Like she was so (laughs) angry. Uh, The bumpers weren't up for her and she just, she was behaving as if she felt like this should be easier and mm-hmm. I'm failing at it. And I just thought that I, I really wanted to go up to her and just to tell her that it's not an easy sport, that uh, it's fun to try to figure it out. Mm-hmm. When I was five and I was bowling my first league, my grandma would drive us to Saturday morning league and she would say to me on the way, Deandra, if you cry today, we're going to go home because there were no bumpers. So I threw the ball in the gutter a lot. And of course I was upset and frustrated. So then I would cry and, you know, she would sort of threaten me on the way. Like, if you do that, we're not going to stay. And so I would always find a way to just suck it up and just like swallow my tears and my frustration. And that story taught me a lot about who I was as a little girl, because I could have easily changed and did something that was more fun that didn't make me cry. But (laughs) instead of doing that, I wanted to figure out how to keep the ball in the lane. And so I, I, what I would say to kids that bowl for fun is it's not easy. It shouldn't be easy. There's a lot of science behind it that is interesting to learn about, like the oil on the lane. You know, when I coach beginners, I love talking to them about, oh, do you see those boards on the, on the lane? Do you know how many there are? Where are you aiming? Most People aim at the pins, you know, when they don't know because nobody's told them otherwise. So just there's so much to learn about bowling that it makes it interesting and more fun. The more you learn about something, the more you want to do it. 
So I would tell them, seek out people that know bowling or find a coach. This is so internally validating for me, by the way. <laughs> Good. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, leagues, I, I bowl in a, a challenge shot scratch league. I mean, and the, the number of times we look over at each other and say, this is fun, right? We're having fun, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. But if you're not having fun, like, what's the point? No. I, I have this elite youth tour and I hold tournaments every month for for kids and I give award scholarships and, and it's competitive. You know, the junior gold winner bowls my tour. He started bowling my tour when he was eight, Landon Jordan. And I've got, you know, really good bowlers like Gianna Brandolino and mm-hmm. – I'm always putting a sport shout out. So it's difficult uh, on purpose so that they're more prepared when they get to junior gold, but they get frustrated. And um, sometimes it doesn't look like they're having fun. And I just will go over to those bowlers and I will look at them and say, just remember why you started. You know, I think if you continue to remember that, how fun that was when you began, maybe you can put, you can bring yourself back there emotionally. Yeah. I think that's true of a lot of things that are worth doing in life. Andrew and I have these kind of discussions all the time because there is something in my life where it's not always easy and fun, but when you work through it and kind of come out the other side and hey, and look back and go, hey, I did that. You know, I improved or I achieved. Then you can get you know, you can get your mindset back into, yes, this is fun, even if it has moments that aren't. I always tell the kids, I'm just like, if this was easy, then everyone would be great at it. And not everyone's great at it. You know, you just Mm -hmm. have to remember. I don't know. I think we live in a society right now where everything is very immediate. And it's like they, they, they want the success right away. They're getting validation on their social media right away. Everything is like mm-hmm. happening. Uh, and so when something is harder, it kind of shows you what you're made of. Yeah. That's why I carefully select the strike videos that I put on Facebook. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, sweetie. Uh, but speaking of social media, you bring up social media. Um, you, I love the insights that you share on Facebook and on some other things um, with your newsletter. I do want to give you some time to kind of talk about, like you've talked a lot about like, you know, mental strength and, and all the stuff that you've had to work through and, and deal with yourself. And um, you have this whole Beyond the Lanes program. So why don't you talk about that a little bit, just in case people are curious? Well, um, it was born out of the pandemic. <laughs> it was born in 2020 when we were locked in our house. And all of a sudden, I had actual time to develop an idea that has been living inside my brain for so long. But I never had any time to sit down and develop it. And it was this whole idea that I've learned so much about life, some of life's most important lessons through bowling and and in my career, that is not just how to be a better bowler, but it really is personal development. And that I wanted to create curriculum centered around that. And so I did, I was able to find that time and every day woke up and put my head down and, and, and I even hired like a leadership psychologist to help me organize my thoughts in my mind. And I um, created this curriculum. I, I launched it right away online. I taught it Tuesday. It was like before everything went online, you know, like every, everything. And it was just um, before the saturation of it all. And so people were just like me and not able to do the things that they love to do. And so I 
sort of gave them an outlet on Tuesday nights. I taught it live for an hour and a half. And then I just realized that I'm really onto something. And I developed beyondthelanes.com. I've developed digital products within that, like Goals Lab and Grit Lab. And and I'm working on something right now. Because everybody, when I ask somebody, what do you want to work on in your game the most? So many people say the same thing. And it's their mental, mental game. game. Mental yeah. game. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm developing a really cool product right now called uh, Monthly Mindset. And it's going to be, you know, monthly lessons, like twice a month. So it's not to overwhelm you, but you know, there's going to be worksheets to complete and there's going to be videos to watch and there's going to be a plan because a lot of people don't have access to like a sports psychologist and I'm not a sports psychologist, but I've worked with a lot of sports psychologists and I've also made every mental mistake, uh, you know, in the book on the lanes. And I've also succeeded with my mental game a lot on the, on the lane. So I feel qualified to be able to do this. So uh, beyond the lanes is, it's just, it's really cool. I have blogged for just working on it before we, we jumped on here. Um, 117 consecutive weeks, which anyone who know who writes regularly knows how hard that is. Or like with a podcast like this, I mean, it is just hard to be consistent because life and I'm so proud and it's all free. That's all free. Like people can go to beyondthelanes.com, go to the blog and really dive into some really important life lessons through mm-hmm. bowling that I have spent a lot of time on. And and, it, and that is also my newsletter. So you can sign up for my l- newsletter there. Yeah. It's sort of where my heart is right now that with the elite youth tour. Awesome. Oh, we should talk about board games. We should, we should talk about board games. What is your favorite? Your favorite to play like as a family. I think, I think Pan Am has got a, it's, it's, it's up there right now. Pan Am is an excellent game. Do you ever play ticket to ride? No, but I've seen it. You should play ticket to ride. Uh, Pan Am is a great game. It kind of follows the progression of Pan American airlines in the like eighties kind of thing. Um, you are, you play as a 60s, 70s, 80s. Yeah. I guess eighties was kind of the collapse of Pan Am. You play as a small regional airline building routes and getting points and then basically bought out. Yeah. You want Pan Am to buy your, your routes out, but it's a really cool game. It plays at two, three or four players. Uh, it plays, it feels a little bit different at every player count. You can get it at target. It's like $25. Um, so it's just, it's super accessible in a lot of different ways. When did you guys grow your love? Now I'm interviewing you. That's okay. That's okay. When did you grow your love for board games? Um, well, we went to a nerd college, so we played board games together in nerd college. Yeah, so I, some I of this think... some of this came from other friends introducing us to uh, board games in college. What college? Worcester Polytechnic Institute mm-hmm. in Worcester, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Although for me, I played a lot of board games growing up uh, with my parents because mm. I'm an only child and my parents are older. So board games was one of the things we could actually, you know, play. Mm-hmm. together once I got old enough. They didn't yeah. take you bowling? They did not often take me bowling, no. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I similarly, I grew up in and around board games. Um, we played a lot of board games, just uh, me and my brother and my sister. Uh, for us, it was a lot of like the catapult flinging kind of game. I know, I know. That's not shocked. a surprise at all, you know, my family. But yeah, and then I kind of got into to video game stuff and then in college got back to board games and then uh, it just kind of grew from there, I guess. So how about you? You know, I've always been a big board game lover. Like, really, I, I do love playing games. But everybody that I've ever lived with is the opposite. Like, my Aww. sister growing up Aww. in my house, she could care less. So I had to make her 
college, I, every roommate, I, maybe it's because I was finding roommates that were like complimenting me, you know, like <laughs> I'm very yeah. much an extrovert. And so a lot of people I've lived with are introverts and like nobody was interested. And now my husband is, <laughs> he's the same. He's just, he, he'll do it. Uh, mm-hmm. And then most of the time win, but <laughs> he'll never say, let's play a game. It's always, it's always sort of me. My kids like games and, but I, um, I don't know. I like, I'm, I like winning. Yeah. So, okay. So, so hold on. So let's, no, let's, let's do this. So let's, let's explore. Uh, what are your husband's interests other than you? Um, <laughs> well, he's a chef. Oh, so food go. is his okay. interest. All right. Um, farming, I would say. Okay. Um, oh, there's plenty of board games about farming. Oh, Lots really? Lo- oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, you I would You think he would those- do better at a cooperative game? Yeah, I think he would definitely prefer a cooperative game rather than like- Because a- then, then you guys are not trying to beat each other. Right. I don't even think, I don't know, because he's an introvert. I don't think he wants to win as much as I want to win, but then he ends up winning more. Which is really frustrating. <laughs> do you do you like mysteries? I do. Yeah, mm-hmm. I okay. love mystery. I think he he does too. I mean, there's rarely a game that I will find and will play that he really dislikes. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, so there are like escape room in a box kind of stuff. You've probably seen those. So I, are those legit? Oh yeah, that, yeah. The the unlock series is pretty good. Uh, the Exit series is excellent. I'm going to make notes because it seems like good um, Christmas gifts, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. The unlocks are, um, they're small, so they, you could fit one in a stocking, I think. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. I'll, I'm going to mm-hmm. look into that. My favorite board game is Balderdash. Balderdash is a fun excellent. game. I love creating up definitions that don't exist. I feel like I'm very convincing. <laughs> I also like categories. Mm-hmm. I recently discovered we don't have Scrabble in our house, which is crazy. So I, I feel like we need to get Scrabble for now that my kids both can spell. I was going to say, playing with kids, I'd uh, I'd recommend Bananagrams over Scrabble. Oh, is that the same concept? So it's, it's a similar idea. It's a similar idea of making words with the tiles and, you know, going the two different directions. But each person is doing it with their own individual set of tiles and there's not a board. It's just about oh. being able to use all the letters that you have. Right. Oh, that's a good idea. I got to recommend just one. Yes. Just one. If you like word games, it's a cooperative word game where everybody writes secretly a hint to what the word is, except for one person who's the guesser. It's like a one word hint. But the goal is that you don't want to give the same hint that somebody else is going to give. Ooh, I love it. Because let's say there's five people. One person is the guesser. So the guesser has their eyes closed. The other four people write something down. They all show each other. And if anybody has the same thing, they have to put theirs face the, down. Yeah, and the, the magic only clues that the guesser gets are the ones that are unique. Ooh. And what so is it? it's it's so completely that, cooperative. So that one is called Just One. O-N-E. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's another good one. It's a great game. That one won best game. Best, I guess technically SDJ is now family game. Best family game of the year. Yeah. Well, that's good because uh, we'll be in New Jersey next week. And I always like to play games with like his, my husband's family. So I'm going to get some of these. So just one you would suggest. Yeah. Yep. I think you get that at Target. 
Bananagrams you can get anywhere. Um, is there any other one that... I mean, do we recommend Green Team Wins I think we again? need to recommend Green Team Wins. Yeah, so you another... might have to order Green Team Wins, but Green Team Wins is fantastic. What is it? So Green Team Wins, it feels a little bit like a trivia type game that, you know, a question comes up and everybody tries to answer it. But your goal in this one is to match up your answer with the majority of the other people around the table. Whatever is the most popular answer, everybody who put that down gets to be on the green team and the green team gets points. And if you ever put down an answer that's not the most popular answer, you get demoted to the orange team and yeah. the orange team does not earn points. And you just kind of flip back and forth between being on the green team, being on the orange so team. So I think my go-to demo question here is one that you've been saying a lot, which is, so like you would flip over a card and it would say, okay, which one does the real work here? The graham cracker, the chocolate, or the marshmallow? Mm. Like there's no correct answer, but everybody right. would write down either what they think or what they think everybody's going to think. It's like a popularity yeah. contest baked into a trivia game and it supports 12 people out of the box. Oh, that's yeah. fun. So, yeah. yeah, I'm looking at family holidays. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm going to, I'm definitely going to get that. Awesome. Well, I feel like I've, uh, if I ever have any board game questions, I know who to come to. We will happily help you out. All right. Um, Well, why don't we do this, uh, Deandra? So you mentioned beyondthelanes.com and you're on Facebook just as Deandra. Yep. Um, Yep. Where else can people find you? Yeah. People can find me on my Instagram. I feel like um, I really try to keep that up the best that I can. So my handle is Deandra's Beatty and also on Facebook and um, I'm on Twitter, but you know, I just can't keep it all up. <laughs> so, <laughs> we understand. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Find a tool that posts all of them for you. So <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. That's sort of what I do. Oh. Yeah. 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 I hear that. All right. Well, um, Anitra, I think, I think it's time to talk about where people can find us. Online. Sure. You can find us on various social media, uh, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok, at Family Gamers AA. Also on YouTube at Family Gamers AA. Yes. You can also join our Facebook community. The easiest way to get there is to go to thefamilygamers.com slash community. Mm -hmm. Or just search for the Family Gamers community on Facebook. Check out our Family Gamers and Play Games with Kids merchandise. It's holiday season, so, you know, people should be getting Good gifts Good time to for each give other. gifts. We have some excellent mugs and hoodies. And t-shirts. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you can go to thefamilygamers.com forward slash merch to find all that stuff. You can. You can also go to thefamilygamers.com forward slash holiday 2022 to see our holiday gift giving guide. We break it apart by age and by gamer type. So. And by number of players as well. Mm-hmm. So there is something there for everybody. In the meantime, please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast if you like what you heard. Tell your friends about it. And please, please, please leave us a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen so that other people can find us too. Mm-hmm. Talk about how awesome the show is and how awesome our interviewees and, are. And how great DeAndre was <laughs> on the show. Yes. All right. The Family Gamers is sponsored by First Move Financial. Go to firstmovefinancial.com slash familygamers to learn how the team at First Move Financial can help you pile up the victory points. Well. It's been great, DeAndra. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. It's been super yeah. fun. Thank you for having me. <laughs> this is Anytime. Like a multi-year-long dream fulfilled for me. <laughs> I hope it wasn't a disappointment. <laughs> it was awesome. It was awesome. And I'm gonna have to um, I'm gonna have to look at the scheduled stops for the Elite Youth Tour. And uh, you are. Talk yes. someone into a little bit of traveling. Come on out. All right. All right. Well, until next week, everybody. Play, Play games, games with, with your kids. kids.